He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 50. Wow, week 50 of a good talk spoiled. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined this week by Bobby Donnelly. Hey, Bobby. Hey, James. How's it going? I'm Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey, Barry. Hey, guys. Um, firstly, I just, I suppose, wish you a happy new year. How was your Christmas? Excellent. Yeah, really good. Nice bit of food, nice bit of drink, and uh, actually not much golf. But uh, that I wasn't, I wasn't really complaining considering considering the weather. Yeah, it's been pretty awful over the last week, couple of weeks, Barry. I, I've no doubt you probably spent all of Christmas with the elves out on the golf course, have you? Uh, yeah. Well, it's either been frosty or windy, so it's been hard to get out on the golf course. So, uh, no, do you know what? I, I love playing a lot, but it's actually nice to take a break. You realise it kind of builds the hunger and the fire inside to get back to it. So we've been back playing the last couple of weeks in just the winter league. No, no, just it's just good to get out, you know, and try to stay dry. Did Santa bring you anything for Christmas? Santa did not, nothing golf related. No. 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 So uh, I don't know if that's if that Santa's confidence is low in my game. I just hope that doesn't affect me for 2015. Myself and Alan, our dad, uh, got us our annual uh, box of probies, which you we always Santa? delicious. Yeah, no, it's actually our dad who got the Santa comes separately, obviously, and he's not he's he's he's, he's the real deal, you know. <laughs> but now uh, we got our usual box of probies, so we were delighted with that. How long say. do they last? Generally, in about longer for <laughs> Alan or longer for you. Uh, well, actually, off, if if it's driving, I would say possibly me. But for the rest of the golf, definitely not me. Yeah, Alan's not here to defend himself. I like this. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, my fiance very kindly got me the uh, the Zep Golf Swing Analyzer, which okay. um, it's a great little gizmo. You you put it on your glove. It's only it's actually it's very very small, very light, and you just put it on your glove. And it links in by Bluetooth to an app on your iPhone or an Android mm. and uh, gives you a full 3D video of your swing and your swing plane. It gives you hand speed, it gives you positioning, it gives you your tempo, it gives you, and it tells you if you're in the green zone, you're absolutely on the money. If you're in orange, you're moving on Brilliant. the wrong way. And, you know, so. Have I, you tested it yet? I haven't because uh, it's been too cold <laughs> to go play. <laughs> but you must, you must uh, test it out and maybe do a bit of a review, a review for us in the next corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, like I think now I'm probably piecing together the TrackMan one piece of a time. I have the the distance machine that's <laughs> about 150 quid, and now this. So I, I probably have everything a TrackMan has. So this is speaking, uh, speaking of equipment. Somebody, uh, one of our listeners, was. Um, Fortunate enough to win himself a game golf for Christmas at Alan Thomas Bridges. So, uh, congrats to Alan. He had a, he came up with a killer tweet that kind of struck a lot of hit a lot of the right bells for us at Christmas. Yeah, too. congratulations, Alan. Well done. So uh, he said he's gonna <clears throat> he's hooked them up to his. Uh, he's got some lovely seven fourteen MBs. So he said he's gonna start sending us a bit uh, bit of info on Twitter. And uh, also, just another thing we did before Christmas was the Dermot Byrne interview, which was extremely well received. Mm. And uh, got to give a shout out to my friend Stephen O'Connor. It's at Sock Three Hundred. He hooked us up with that, and uh, yeah, everyone should give him a follow on Twitter. He's mad into his golf and. Um, He's a very astute punter as well. Yeah, he's very good. He's excellent, yeah. Well, if anybody wants to get in contact with us, and, you know, we're now back for, for the next 49 weeks until uh, <laughs> until next winter. Yeah. Um, 
It is. The email is the same. It's a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. And probably the easier way to get us is through the Twitter handle, which is podcast GTS. Um, so, you know, keep in contact with us. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. Um, other than that, I suppose, uh, moving on straight away is our, 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 I suppose, a great interview that we're you know, very lucky to have with Steve Bamford, who is the creator and originator of a website called golfbettingsystem.co.uk. And we sat down earlier today to do a pre-recorded interview with him all about his, his bets and his uh, tips for the year ahead for 2015. I'm very uh, privileged to be able to introduce Steve Bamford from golfbettingsystem.co.uk to a good talk spoiled. Um, hey, Steve. How are we, guys? You okay? Good. Good. Um, I was looking at your website in preparation for, for talking to you today, and it's an incredible resource for golf betting. Could you just tell the listeners how that website came about? Um, we haven't, we've only got 20 minutes from what you told me, so I'll keep it brief. Um, <laughs> Paul and I used to work for a, um, uh, we used to work for, uh, Dixon's group over here in the UK, so you might, PC World and Dixon's, yeah. or is. And uh, we used to sit there not working most of the time and just kind of eulogising about, I wonder if you could predict the outcome of golf tournaments because, you know, rather than sort of backing a three-to-one horse, you can back sort of players at 100, 200, 500 to one and guess what, they actually win on occasion. Mm. And uh, we had a guy there who was a bit of a stats genius who could who, um, who was good at building... Um, Front, uh, internet front-ended databases and it's still the database we use for our predictor model and uh, he came up with this model one day and kind of presented it to us and we just started playing with it and throwing data in it and we, we kind of saw something there that uh, was unique no one else on the internet had that kind of functionality and that's where it kind of started that was back in 2008 and we actually started Gold Bank System as a as its end or as the entity it is now in two thousand and nine. So we're actually into our sixth year now. Wow, that's great. That's, that's how it started. Yeah, Steve. Actually, you mentioned the predictor, and for me, that's the one thing how I found your website. First of all, is I noted the predictor, and I find it's a great tool if you're looking at uh, events. Could you give us just a, a, a maybe explain the predictor itself? Predictor, yeah. Obviously, what you'll find with Gold Bank System, you guys know, is everything's free, so we, we don't charge anyone for anything. So um, there's a range of information on there. There's obviously our weekly previews that we do, Paul and myself. Paul Williams is my partner. He looks after the European Tour, and I specifically look after the PGA Tour. We then divvy up World Golf Championships and um, Major Championships. The Predictor itself, basically, the way I best describe it, it's... Um, we throw 20, 25 different variables into a database. And um, on the left-hand side of the actual um, the web page, we've got throttles. And dependent on what kind of variables you think are going to be important for this particular tournament, and that obviously builds itself around the kind of course they're playing, um, the kind of grasses that they're going to be putting on, that kind of information... Mm. You can build your own tailor-made prediction. Now, we publish our own prediction every week, obviously one for the European Tour, one for the PGA Tour, and that's Paul and I's personal opinion as to what 
variables we think are going to be the most important for that particular week. And so now, you... from, that, from that point on, I mean, you, you, you know, you've got 144 players in a full field tournament. What the predictor model is very good at doing is saying, of those 144 players, how short does my shortlist need to be? You know, I, you can actually rank a, a rank a, a top 10, a top. 15 up to a top 25 mm. so you know it's very good at bringing a, a, a field list down to more manageable numbers yeah 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 no, I think it's a great tool and, and I suppose a, a very simple example would be if you took a I suppose an old traditional US Open where driving accuracy may have been considered important you, if you were have a, an act driving accuracy stat there, you would give that a rating of ten. To say, well, I want to put a lot of emphasis in. This. That's yeah. if you personally believe it's important. Um, and no, I, I think it's great. Um, and I suppose that kind of is as well. It gives us a bit of an overview of of how exactly you find winners. But maybe just to give an example of your methodology, if you're looking at the Sony Open this week, what, how how would you approach the Sony Open? Um. In a myriad of different ways, um, and I'm sure every every professional tipster out there has their own way of working. Um, Paul and I have become increasingly more um, stat based over the years. Um, I think that's the reason we've done that is because, as you guys will know, the golf betting system itself, as part of the way that the site's developed, mm. we're actually giving away a lot more free statistics to people so you can get information about every tournament in terms of uh, uh, players' form on that course, players' form going into that tournament, uh, top 20 results there, first-round leader results there. There's, there's a myriad of different statistics. We're actually going to launch in the next few weeks another department within the um, within the uh, within golf bank system that's even more detailed uh, even more detailed statistics around how players do in past 70s 71 72s cool. different kinds of uh, grass greens all kinds of tournament information as well information around what kind of target price do you need to be looking at to actually to grab the winner this week because you guys will know some golf tournaments you tend like last week uh, at Kapalua uh the average price there for the last five years, I believe, was sixteen to one of the winner, or fourteen to one. So that, in, you know, when I pulled my um, actual um, tips together last week, I was very, very focused on making sure that I went for prices that I thought were going to be in the mix. Um, you look at the Sony Open this week. So we've had fourteen to one last week. The Sony Open average price over the last five years was one hundred and twenty-five to one. So you can see where it kind yeah. of goes. Yeah. It starts to shape the kind of player prices you want to be looking at that potentially could win the tournament. And it's, it's, sorry, it's, wor it's worth mentioning at this point as well. You had the winner last week as well, didn't you? No, I did, yeah. Patrick Reed, yeah. And he was 16-1. to 1. Was he 16-1? Uh, he came on uh, Monday. Monday uh, they, he opened up at 25. So by the time my tips came out, because we always publish our tips, uh, 5 o'clock... Um, Five o'clock over here in the UK, so um, he was twenty-two to one at nice, that point. Nice, nice, very nice. Okay, and that's close. close that's close to the range you, you were talking about. So, in future, Steve, yeah. can you send us those tips at you know four fifty-five somewhere about that time? Might help. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's it's funny you should say that because if you keep your eye on odds checker, um, as soon as the various different tipsters tips start to be published, you start to see seas of blue on odds checker. Yeah. Mm. But the 
one guy that obviously is followed probably the most over here in the UK, just because he's part of the racing post and the circulation it gets, is Steve Palmer. And you can tell, obviously over here, the racing post becomes available uh, first thing on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, so get yourself down to news agents. But you can see the players that he's tipped on the Tuesday afternoon because they start to turn blue even on Tuesday afternoon. So wow. people get to know who his tips are before the general public. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wouldn't want to go into who knows or, you know, maybe mm. you work in the print works, for example. But yes, interesting stuff. I had one quick question as well, just in relation to stats. And we sometimes talk, I suppose we all play a bit of fantasy golf and a lot of our, our odds dependence. I had a question that I'd like to ask you just to pick your brain on it. And it's in relation to recent form of a player as against course form, because I know a lot of tipsters would, would pay attention to course form. Would you put more emphasis on recent form, or would you put more emphasis on course form? Or maybe to phrase it differently, would you prefer to be having, and I, I know you probably wouldn't bet on either, but would you prefer a player with really good form going into a course that he doesn't necessarily like, or would you prefer a player who isn't really playing great but is going to a course he loves? Let me get to that question. I, I tell you where I was coming to. One of the things that Paul and I look at are target prices. The other thing that we we keep a very close eye on are the our skill attributes of an individual golfer. So we'll look each week at every golfer in the field and how their driving accuracy, greens in regulation, and putting average trending. Yeah. Mm. We'll also look at how their scrambling's trending. And from that, you can start to see patterns as to if an out of form, and this is what, exactly what you're saying, you may find that there's a golfer out there that's supposedly out of form, but his game, you can see, is starting to turn. Yeah. Now, if you can see an out of form golfer that's about to hit a golf course that he's got good course form on, and you know that his greens in regulation is starting to improve week yeah. on week, yeah? All of a sudden, you can grab a very uh, a, a very good price on a golfer that's supposedly out of form, who then suddenly, as you guys, you know, you watch a lot of golf, all of a sudden a player comes from nowhere and all of a sudden he's contending at the top of the leaderboard. Oh, okay, yeah. So we we keep a very close eye on the actual individual statistics okay. of their of their key skill sets building up to each and every tournament. Now. We're having to grab this data and we're having to manipulate it week in, week out. It's a hell of a job. So, um, But in answer to your question, I, I don't know. We were kind of discussing it before we started recording. In, in a way, I, it varies on the kind of player that you're kind of looking at. You know, a certain player like Matt Kuchar, if he isn't playing well and, and his, his form isn't good, you just know he isn't going to win from out of the blue. Yeah. If yeah. you look at someone like, uh, the, the example I always use is a guy on the PGA Tour called John Rollins. And John Rollins, he's kind of a journeyman, and um, you can kind of try and predict when John Rollins will ever get a top ten or a top five, but the week you predict it based on his form, he'll miss the cut. <laughs> and then three weeks later, when he's missed the cut three times, he'll actually finish third. And you just get these vagaries, but you know, over time, you, you start to understand how players work and how individual players, you know, are they, they these kind of players that will need a build up to win a tournament, or are they are they the kind of players that actually just play well on certain golf courses and they'll just all of a sudden jump into into contention? 
you get a feeling for it. Yeah, that's, you know, that's it, it takes time. It, it takes a lot of effort, but you know, it's all very, it's very fast. Yeah, it's all very fascinating. That's really, really interesting, I must say. I, I, I think, Steve, the great thing about that is it's good segue into, you know, the background of the, uh, the, the background of who you think is going forward, um, into this season. And, uh, in terms of particularly the majors, you know, you, you've a hundred percent record, as Bobby was saying earlier, of predicting that, that and tipping the winner from last week. Let's look at let, let's look at Augusta and the Masters. Who who do you fancy or who are you looking out for at, at Augusta now? I know it's a few weeks out. I think Barry, you probably 80, eighty-seven days. Only eighty-seven days. Eighty-seven days that the season starts properly. But who 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 would you at this stage be kind of honing in on? Have you got one of those digital countdowns on the wall there? You know, it's counting the seconds and the minutes as, as you're heading towards Augusta. No, no but I'm, I'm going to get in touch with Blue Peter and ask them how to make one. Yeah, that's I, think, I, think Barry, I think Barry tattoos it on his arm every morning. <laughs> I say one thing I noticed about Augusta this year, guys. Have you seen the size of the field already? It's getting close to 100, isn't it? Isn't this, this is the yeah. big debate every year that there's always a race by the committee and the Masters to keep it under 100. And every year it's getting very tight. Is it up to about 90? It's in Some the mid 90s, I think, isn't it? I think it's mid 90s. 99 or something. 99, is it? Okay, yeah. I know, I know, I know it's quite high. That in, in, in a way, that's an interesting point because you might find that a couple of the leading bookmakers will go six places each way. So that's something just to watch out for. That's great news. <laughs> um, it's interesting, Augusta. Um, for me, um, I think you've got to be a long hitter. Mm. That's fairly obvious. Um, I think you've got to have a very high ball trajectory. Okay. So you've got to be one of these guys that can hit it long but hit it, hit it high. Yeah. Um, You've got to be a, um, a player that can take advantage of par five. Okay. Because if you look at the score in Augusta each year, it's always the par fives that effectively win the tournament. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's for me, the tournament has changed. What it's changed a lot since two thousand and nine when I started to you know to cover it professionally. It's now become. In the past, when I was you know when I was a youngster and I used to watch uh, watch the uh, the watch the play August. It was all about the putting. It was all about the incredibly fast greens. It was all about short game. Mm. If you look at the statistics now and you look at the kind of player that wins at Augusta, it's all about ball striking now and it's all about greens in regulation. Well, okay. That, for me, brings different players into the mix. So if you look at it, Bubba Watson last year, well, we know Bubba, it's all about his amazingly long driving it's all about the fact that he can shake the ball both ways. It's all about the fact that he can hit lots of greens in regulation, yeah? The, the winner prior to that was obviously Adam Scott. And Adam Scott, another high greens in regulation ball striker. Uh, Bubba Watson the year before that. So you can kind of see the way that the, the actual tournament's got. Mm. Um, if you were get, I don't know. If you were going to pin me down right now, and you already have done, <laughs> the player I fancy, and I, I think will make a charge... At some point, and he's had quite a disappointing record there. Although I know he's had a couple of top tens, the player that I find quite interesting for uh, the Masters this year is, is uh, Justin Rose. Wow! Because for me, Justin Rose, he's the kind of high, high ball, high ball flight, high GIR. He's probably not the best putter in the world, but he's a very good bent grass green putter. Okay. And at the moment, I'm, I'm just looking here. You can grab him at twenty-five to one, which I think is a cracking handy post price, really. 
That's yeah. good for Justin. I mean, you always would expect him to go well in Augusta because of his ball striking more in recent years, and he just he really does disappoint. He's terrible. At, he's very slow at starting tournaments. I, I you see that in Augusta. If you start slow on day one, if you're yeah. not in or in the, the top ten or top twelve you know, after thirty six holes, you're pretty much out of the tournament. Now you've got to be up there. But the thing is, if you look at if you look at winners that win at Augusta, there's key tracks they tend to do well at. One of them is the old Doral. It changed last year, but Doral, the Trump International Doral, the mm. it's the Cadillac Championship. Uh, players that do well there, they play very well at, uh, at uh, Muirfield Village, yeah. at Montreal. Mm. They play very, very well at no- the Northern Trust, Riviera, uh, uh, Riviera, I think Rivi- it's February, it? They play mm-hmm. in California. Yeah. Rose has done well at all of those courses. Yeah. He's just one of those, you know, I, I'm a lover of Phil Mickelson, and I can tell you this now, um, there was a tweet went out last week from Dave Tyndall, um, who's, you know, when it comes to, to golf uh, tipping, Dave Tyndall, he's like my idol when I started getting into <laughs> golf, golf tipping. Dave Tyndall's the man for me. And he, he sent out a tweet last week, 33 to 1 for Phil Mickelson is av- was available at Corals. Wow. I, I, I had to get stuck into that. So I, I've had a personal bet on Phil Mickelson at 33 to 1. He's, he, he's available now at Corals at 28 to 1. But Mickelson, again, high ball flight. Um, He's, uh, he can shake the ball both ways, and when he's actually in form, he can hit a hell of a lot of greens in regulation, and we know for a fact that he's a fantastic putter. Mm. So they reckon that Phil is losing a lot of weight in the gym at the moment. There's rumours about arthritis, but Phil Mickelson, I, I think he's going to have a far better season this year than he did last year. And if he does win one of the West Coast Swing events on the PJ Tour, which he's got a habit of doing, you know, Phoenix or Riviera, something like that, all of a sudden, that, that 28 to 1 of Coral is going to be something like 14 to 1. Mm-hmm. I, there's one stat that I bang on about a lot every week, and it might be interesting to get to your view on it. Yeah. That since the year 2000, only one player over the age of 40 has won a major on a US soil. And for me, and I know Dave Tindall, I think, I think if you're his idol, I think uh, Mickelson is Dave Tindall's idol. I think he's a big fan of his. I always. As a shortlist for a U.S. major, I draw a line straight through anyone that's over forty for U.S. majors nowadays, and and for Mickelson, like definitely British Open, I and particularly somewhere like St Andrews, I would be well open to Mickelson, and the guys over forties have won the British Open. But I just draw a line straight through Americans, and that's purely, or sorry, uh, through over forties, purely on on that basis. What do you think that is? It's interesting. Why would you think that is? I, no, I, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing. I, I can I can see the logic behind it, but why do you think that older guys? Is it the pure? Is it just because the pure length of the golf course it takes so much out of them? I think the I, I would think it's stamina, mental yeah. concentration. If you're 22, if you're a Ricky Fowler or you're a Jordan Spieth, I think you're yeah. going to be mentally sharp. Whereas if you're an Ernie Els, let's say for example, who I've seen people tipping up for majors, I think. He's not going to maintain his concentration uh, as much as some of the younger guys are. You know, these guys who are in the gym regularly are very sharp. Um, and even you look at some of the, the leaderboards, and I think generally you would notice that. Maybe it's just, I suppose on average there are younger people playing in the tournaments, but I always find the leaderboards tend to, on the on the American majors, when it's really pressure's at its highest, I always find it's the younger guys who seem to come through, you know. 
Yeah, I, I can see the logic. Maybe that's one of the reasons that he's hit the gym. They reckon he's shed over. They reckon he's shed over a stone already. He's uh, apparently he's uh, starting up on the paleo diet, which is basically going back to the, the way the caveman used to eat ten thousand years ago. He's eating really pure food and staying away from the Twinkies and things like that. You know. <laughs> So, uh, You've just alienated a lot of American listeners. Well, there you go. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about Phil, like anytime he's had a bad season, he's backed it up the next year with a really good season. Mm. So I would expect him to go out and win this year, and I'd say he is motivated like never before after last year. I do agree. With- I, I, I think the age point is a very valid one for Denny. But at the end of the day, you know, he came extremely close to winning uh, the PGA Championship last year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I, and that's the other thing about Augusta. We don't know what the course and conditions are going to be, but one thing is for sure: even if it's, you know, if the, if it's uh, if that part of Georgia has a lot of rain building up to the tournament, you just know that with the arrow under the greens, that the stimp on, on the greens, it's always going to be fairly quick. Yeah. But you know, Phil does like a softer golf course. But yeah, I mean, so for me, my mind at the moment is Justin Rose for the Masters. Cool, cool. Can I ask you another one quick question? Uh, a guy who I have persistently lost money following um, bar one place back in Whistling Straits is Dustin Johnson. What do you think of yep. Dustin for the Masters? He has Dustin, a sniff. Yeah. Oh, no, see, <laughs> this is the whole point, isn't it? Dustin, um, if you look at where he's done well, he actually ticks virtually every box. Mm. Um, all of those courses I mentioned earlier. Um, I, he's one of those, isn't he? I don't... I don't think that Dustin can't ever win Augusta. Um, he went very well one year. There's, there's kind of rumours about Dustin, isn't there, and, and Dustin's social life. And I, 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 got a, I got a tweet one day from a guy in the States that mentioned that Dustin potentially likes to party the, the week before uh, Augusta. I, can't, okay. I, can't, I won't go into any more yeah. depth for obvious reasons, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, like he's... Yeah, I saw him forty to one. <laughs> uh, I saw him at forty to one this morning, so I kind of thought. Come in already, thirty-three to one at the moment. Yeah, uh, I think it might be forty to one with some of the other bookies, but yeah, he's uh, Bob, Bob took twenty-five percent of his pension fund and put it on Dustin. Not just yet, but we will move on, James. Will we? Uh, yeah, the U.S. Open, uh, Chambers Bay, up in Washington State. This is a newish course. It's only about uh, eight, eight, nine years old. Any feelings in relation to uh, where who's who's going to walk away with this one? Dustin Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you should say it because I've actually Dustin just shown Barry. Are you serious? And I no, have Dustin I'm, Johnson I'm there. Dead Are you serious? Oh, okay. You, you, you look at Dustin Johnson. You you look at his results. You look how he plays on the coast. You you look how Dustin plays well on longer golf courses. Um, he, he did well at Pebble Beach, didn't he? He was in contention yeah. there and it crumbled. He he played well at Torrey Pines. Um, he went to college, I believe, in South Carolina. I think it was some kind of um, naval or, or it was it was a college that was right on on the coast. You can just tell the harder the wind blows, the better it is. I, I just think Dustin Johnson has got a much better chance at the U.S. Open at James Bay than he has at, at Augusta. He's also uh, very I'm, relaxed. I'm Forty to one right now for him at Coral. That's, that's a cracking price, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's a huge course as well. I think it stretches up to over 7,700 yards, so it's, and it's going to be some test. And Steve, he won't be 40 to 1 after he wins at Augusta as well. <laughs> well, yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. The whole, he, won't, he probably won't be 40 to 1. I'm 
trying to think. I think I've seen something saying that his comeback is going to be at Torrey Pines. Yeah, there's rumours. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I don't foresee that Dustin Johnson's become a bad player overnight. Yeah, he might take a couple of tournaments or three or four tournaments to get up to speed, but you just know that he's a phen- phenomenal talent, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. I just think that that, that 40 to 1, is, you know, I, I'd be having, a, I'd be very tempted just to yeah. snap that up early doors. I, I don't think he's going to get any longer, put it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And but yeah, he, he just suits, he suits the course. The one thing I need to point out to you guys is, that um, obviously Mike Davis, who, um, who who runs the tournaments for the US uh, GA, he's mentioned a couple of interesting things about um, Chambers Bay. Firstly, he's mentioned the fact that he could that they may change uh, the pars on some of the holes during the course mm. uh, during the actual tournament, which would be the first time they've ever done that. Yeah. The other thing is, I know it's a new course, isn't it? Two thousand and seven, it was built. Um, extremely long. But it's the only, uh, the, the beauty of the course is supposedly it's 100% fescue. Now that includes both rough fairways and greens. Yeah. Wow. There's now, no, there's no fringe apparently. Now on my, on my Facebook, or on our Facebook group, we've got a lot, a lot of guys from over in the Republic, over in Northern Ireland. And they've mentioned to me that I'm no expert that there's various courses over in Ireland that are, uh, that have uh, fescue greens. Is that, is that true, or is that anything? Is that something you guys know about? No. <clears throat> let us let us research that, and we'll come can, back can to you. Is, is our... Can you ask us an easier question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Royal Dublin might have been mentioned. Patrick Harrington has done well around there. Obviously, he's a Dublin guy, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. Dublin was mentioned having fescue green. Okay, well, you know, that, that might, you know, some of the Irish guys might have an advantage. You don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get on Google here in the background. Um, and I suppose the thing is, but if it's by the by the sea, I suppose that it, it is one that um, it would suit the Irish guys. Uh, the and going just one last thing, Justin Johnson obviously did well in the British Open. Do you remember when I think it was it down the one Darren Clark won? So he obviously suits in that one as well. Absolutely. I actually went to that tournament with Paul. It was a, it was a sandwich, and it was at, the conditions were absolutely abysmal. And it's a, that's a really gnarly, horrible golf course. Yeah. That, that's why I think Dustin Johnson yeah. really does take up well for Chambers, but I think Justin Johnson's fast becoming your new man crush instead of Adam Scott, like me or Adam. Well, I, I I have to tell you, he will be getting a mention before we finish <laughs> up with the mate, another mention. Um, my one, I was thinking again, a lot of the reasons similar to what you were saying. Is I, I think Martin Keimer as well because I think this Chambers Bay could be similar-ish to Whistling Straits, where just where he obviously won and and Bubba and Dustin Johnson obviously both did well there. So I think. It looks like a similar course to me, and I've only looked at it on pictures. So I think Keimer is another one, I, and, I, and I, it might go back to back. I'm going to throw a curveball in. I think Hideki Matsuyama will yeah. play very well there. He's an absolute animal with uh, his accuracy for his irons. The only thing I would have thought is, and is that I have, I actually haven't written down that I would have fancied him for more of a traditional U.S. Open where it's you know tighter fairways, more inland. And I know he has done. He actually did well. I think he was sixth in the British Open a couple of years ago. I actually haven't done that. I would have fancied for a more where driving accuracy okay. would be more. That's well, what I'll, I'll win on this year, and you can win on them next year. Then perfect. All right. Perfect. <laughs> um, we move on. I think so. Well, uh, just to say, I actually had Justin Johnson down as my pick. Uh, oh, there we so, go. Uh, and I showed it to Barry before the start of that. So I'm glad to see we're on uh, the same wavelength. Justin better win now, or else he's going to have a few angry people knocking on his door. I know. 
Now, a lot of guys out there, I know there's a lot of guys who, who you know, guys on our Facebook, they, they think Dustin Johnson is one of these guys that hasn't got the balls for the job, but oh, I'm not so sure. I think he's one of these guys that, um, I think in the right circumstances, I, I think he can win a major championship. You know, he's won, he's won a world golf championship. Mm. Uh, you know, he's no mug. He's, he's mm. no mug at all. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, Steve, you'll have to get your... V- view in first before these two lads get theirs because uh, the next one at the Open Championship is in St. Andrews and any listeners to the podcast know that if these two lads who have played it get going we'll be here all day listening to how they played around St. Andrews um, I was sticking Sergio Garcia down as my pick um, it, it may be way off but uh, who, who are you thinking for, for the Open Championship? What did what did you guys shoot around there? Sort of sixty four, sixty five type time. Yeah, when they woke up, then it was a whole different well, score. It depends how much handicap you give me to uh, to take off my score. I, I I think I shot par for my handicap that day. Bob played totally different level of the game altogether. Yeah, well, I, only since you've asked, I don't like to probe. <laughs> uh, only since you asked, I shot seventy three gross that day. So. Uh, I birdied the first in the eighteenth. That's it. And I could have, I could have walked. I could have. God could have taken me that day after that. I like that. That's great, guys. I'd love to go out and play St Andrews. I, I must say. It's fine. Um, well, you guys know St Andrews. At the end of the day, you know, um, driving accuracy is almost immaterial. Um, mm-hmm. The greens are huge. They're obviously mainly you know, shared greens. Um, Do you have a bunker avoidance stat on your uh, predictor model? Because I think no, that's, that's no, but I guarantee there's something on the PJ Tour stats that's around that kind. Of <laughs> I'm going to be quite. That'd be a very helpful one in St Andrews. Those those bunkers. Some of them are absolute caverns. Being serious, when it comes to the US Open, and I'm not sure what the setup's going to be at Chambers Bay, but one of the statistics I always look at before the US Open is how players are doing in terms of being able to hit fairways out of out of rough. And sorry, how, how, how they're hitting greens and how the, what their proximity is like out of rough. Okay. And, and those kind of statistics are available on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, I don't know, St Andrews, it, it just shouts one man to me, really. I mean, if you look at the course, and if you look at Louis Oosthuizen, didn't he? He won there in 20... 10. I always mark that one 10. up in 2010. Yeah, 2010. It's every five years there in St Andrews, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. If, if you look at Louis Oosthuizen, now, don't, don't take this the wrong way, and if he's listening, I apologise, but in a way, he's, he's a kind of poor man Rory, poor man's Rory McIlroy. On a course that could be taken apart and bullied, yeah, yeah. Louis Stousen tends to come to the fore, especially if it's soft condition. So I don't know if you remember a few years ago, he he, he kind of went head to head with uh, Rory at CPC Boston. Okay. Um, he had a run over in the states where the conditions were quite soft. He was in green after green after green. He's that kind of guy. Once he gets in that mould with his long irons and his driver. Boost and he can really bully a golf course. That's what he did to St Andrews. Yeah. Me, that kind of suggests. I know. I know Paul Casey's already been being mentioned for the Open Championship. But if you were to if you were to say to me, Steve, of the four majors, which one do you think Rory McIlroy is going to go best best at this season? I would have to say St Andrews. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to argue with that one, really. And obviously, the uh... I know boring. Sorry. No, no, no. I, but I'm sure it, it, it's most sensible. I, yeah. I don't. I don't really have a strong opinion about the Open just yet, Barry. Do you about them? It's, it's really. It's going to be a huge amount. It's going to depend on what the weather is of the week. I mean, it's so hard to make a long-term prediction. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm going to throw Ricky Fowler in the hat because he, he loves his links golf. He's gone to the home of golf. He's a big traditionalist for the game. So I think that's just going to, all those factors will lead him to have a very good week, whether he goes on and wins is, a, mm. is another thing. But um, I, I think it'd be foolish to back against Ricky in a links event. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you look at, I think that, that 2010 event, Louis Oosthuizen got the, he, he got a, the really um, good side of the draw, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think the Friday, the, the Friday, was it Friday afternoon starters, they had absolutely hellish conditions. And this is the whole point. It's the Open Championship. Now, you're, you're sitting at your desk on 13th of January 2015. You, you're not, you don't know what the conditions are going to be. The one thing that will upset Rory if the conditions get extremely windy, he isn't the best wind player in the world. Mm. That's that's the truth. But yeah. you know, if, if it's blustery and it's kind of consistent, he can deal with that. You know, he's won a PGA National in the past over in Florida. He can deal with wind. But if it gets really nasty, yeah. that's the kind of thing that Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler's a fantastic wind player. Yeah. But Ricky can play better. The, the worse the conditions, the better Ricky tends to play. Yeah. It's just a question, actually, in terms of betting strategy for, in particular, the Open, because it's so weather-dependent, would you prefer to get a slightly higher price longer in advance of the event or a shorter price in a player, say, the day before the event, when you have a really good idea about what the weather is going, the wind is going to be like on the Thursday and the Friday for each of the, the halves of the draw? For me, I, for something like the Open Championship, I'd, I'd, always, go, I'd always go for a better price right towards the, uh, the the tee off itself and it's interesting because over here in the UK you know the traditional high street bookmakers Coral, William Hill and Ladbrokes every Wednesday morning they always go best price mm-hmm. and a lot of punters yeah. know that and they wait and yeah. by then you know and that's a, you know we were talking about how I pull together um, tips and whatever for me I always work on target scores and target scores tend to be dependent upon course conditions how fast the course is, how slow the course is, but also what the weather's going to do. Is it going to rain? How strong is the wind going to be? And that all affects the target score, yeah? Hmm. Now, you, the certain players can't reach certain lows, uh, high, uh, low scores, and other players play better, you know, around the even, minus four, minus five kind of target. Mm-hmm. It's, all that, it's all that kind of information that's key. So for the Open Championship... You know, we are scouring the, the weather reports as much as we can, building right up until when we go live with the tips. Oh, it's really that's really interesting for from our side of things just to get that your thoughts on it as well. I think with the open as well, you actually they they actually come out with the draw quite early, don't they? I think mm. they come draw. Is it on the Monday or potentially on the Tuesday yeah. morning? Yeah. Steve, you mentioned target scores a good bit. Is are, is the target score research available on your website, or is that a, something that might come in the next iteration? Yeah, that's one of the things that we're looking at uh, uh, that, that we're actually going to launch over the next uh, next few weeks. We, we I, what I've been doing, obviously, I told you guys earlier. Um, uh, my my wife had a baby, or we had a baby, the eighth of December. So <laughs> congratulations! Uh, thank you very much. December. Um, and early January, I didn't have any PGA Tour events, and Paul was quite on the European Tour. We've been absolutely going at it for the last six weeks, pulling a lot of this data together. And target scores is definitely one of the things that we're going to be looking at distributing out there into the internet ether. It's the kind of information, which is what we're trying to do, is bring to the, bring to the general public view the kind of information and data that we've pulled together over the last yeah. six to seven years. 
mm. and to actually give you guys the ability to view it rather than just the tipsters looking at it and kind of keeping it to themselves. Yeah, yeah. So just as a reminder for everyone listening, that's golfbettingsystem.co.uk for people who are listening. Mm-hmm. In terms of the PGA Championship, it's returning to whistling straights, and it's it's as Barry was saying, and you were saying earlier, you know, not too dissimilar to Chambers Bay. Are you moving too far off who you were suggesting for Chambers Bay, or or are you looking at a completely different set of attributes for for the winner around there? I think McElroy will go well there. That's obvious. He's, mm-hmm. he, you know, he loves the PGA Championship. You look at PGA Championship golf courses. What do they tend to be? Well, apart from Oak Hill. A uh, year before last, they all tend to be long. They tend to be par seventy-two. They're all bent or they're bent power green, yeah. yeah. Because you know the, the US PGA, they or they, they the PGA, sorry, the PGA of America, they like to have the championship in northern states. Um, that fits McElroy's bill perfectly. Um, you, you've got to have a think about thing. You know, Adam Scott's been a bit quiet of late. You know, he's going to come back. Strong in 2015, you know that kind of high GIR long golf course game could suit Scott. None of us have mentioned Tiger Woods. We were, um, we were going to ask him about it. We we're going to ask you about him at the end, seeing as it, depending on whether or not we mentioned uh, him. Which one of us had 35 minutes for the first mention of Tiger? <laughs> Another player I, I really like, one of my favourite players, is Henrik Stenson. I think the PGA Championship again suits Stenson more than the others. Hmm. Um, I always think Henrik. Has the perfect game for Augusta, but he, especially you know, as we were discussing earlier, the fact that the golf course is now high, you know, long hitters, very high trajectory, um, very high greens in regulation. And I tipped him up last year, Henrik Stenson, and he, he's, he's had a couple of top twenties there. You just get the feeling one year he's going to make a breakthrough there. He's going to get to understand what just just exactly what he needs to do a little bit better. And I think Stenson could challenge Augusta. PJ Championship, yeah, I, I can see him going extremely well there. But yeah, Whistling Straight, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a strange golf course, isn't it? Obviously, you've got you know bunkers that are bunkers. <coughs> and I was reading an interview with Zach Johnson just before uh, Kapalua last week, and even though he finished second there in 2010, he said he absolutely hates the golf course because it brings out. It, he was just saying that effectively that. It was all about trajectory, a lot of blind shots. It, it, it doesn't suit him whatsoever. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's, you know, it's a weird thing for a guy that finished second in the PGA Championship to say, but he says he can't stand the golf course. I re- it's funny, I read the exact same thing, and you, he was just saying it looks like a Lynx golf course, but it doesn't play like one at all, so it's a very aerial golf course. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, that kind of fits into that McElroy-Stenson mold. And interesting, I had Stenson down as my pick for the Masters, but then again, you could lose an awful lot of money backing him there year after year after year until he does have that one win. Would you be worried about Stenson's putting in Augusta? Yeah, but this is what we're saying, isn't it? You know, Adam Scott is the best putter in the world, and he won there. I, I wouldn't put Bubba Watson in the top, you know. I know that Bubba Watson putted well last year, before I say this, but Bubba isn't the most natural of putters. He isn't a Branch Snedeker. No. He isn't a Phil Mickelson. He isn't a Russell Henley of the New Brigade. Mm. So for me, it's more greens in regulation. It's more consistency. Okay, okay. Mark Leishman did there well. Did well there a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, um, for me, it's length, it's consistency, it's approach play, and that is Stenson's game at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good point, Steve. Before we we let you go, um, in terms of you mentioned your Facebook group earlier, and I think it's a golf betting system and. Uh, you were saying to us off air that you, you have a competition that's running on that uh, on that Facebook uh, 
group. Just just tell me what that's about and, and, and how the listeners might be able to get involved in it. Of course, I think one of the I think the key thing behind the success of Golf Betting System as a, as a website is, isn't the fact that we're just a website that give out previews and tips. You know, there's hundreds of websites out there that do that. Um, it's the fact that we, we 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 do a lot more for punters. So we've got the free statistics, the predictor models. There's all a myriad of stuff we do. Like um, I do a regular YouTube cast that goes out every week, a bit like a bit like this, but it's all around betting. But the, the really good thing that we do, we have a, on Facebook, we have a uh, golf betting system group where effectively you can, it's a, it's a private group. So we, you know, you come and join and we, we let you in. And it's, it's just full. It's about to, uh, we're coming up to 2,300 people on there now. And it's all about just people that love golf betting. So, you know, there's, there's loads of banter on there. There's lots and lots and lots of good information, some, some information that, um, that really does help you in terms of putting together your tips. We run a lot of competitions on there. So um, the one that we've got going on there right now is we, 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 we run two competitions, actually. I'll, I'll give a quick shout-out for our punters league. We do that with Paddy Power. Paddy Power effectively give away um, a £25 free bet every week and also a £250 free bet first prize for the season-long winner. So basically, you give us your three players for the European Tour and the PGA Tour event of that week and we then run uh, a weekly prize and a, and a, a season-long prize. So that's the punters league that we run. Um, tends to get around about 150 to 200 entrants every week. The other one we've got is the 2015 Majors competition. This has been running for, this is the fourth year now. Uh, our punters league's been running for five years. It's um, Bet365 are sponsoring this way. So this one, £225 of free bets is the prize pot. Uh, 225 pounds or euros, um, 150 pounds euros to the winner, 20, 50 to the runner-up, 25 to the third place. Effectively, all you guys need to do, it can be via Facebook, it can be via Twitter. I'm sure we can get the information out there. If I can uh, tweet it, you guys can retweet it. Yeah. You guys, all you've got to do is before the first ball is struck at Augusta, is give us your four players that are going to win. Surprise, surprise, the four majors. We're doing it slightly different this year where you have to give a different name for each major championship. So um, an example would be Rory McIlroy for the Masters, can't use him again. So it's a one-and-done type format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Graham McDowell at the US Open, Louis Oosthuizen at the Open Championship, Keegan Bradley at the PGA Championship. Yeah. So four different players for the four majors. And there's, you know we've got these three bets up for grabs from Bet365. So it's good. We've got some decent relationship with the various bookmakers and you know they, they give free bets and it's something that we, we run a lot of competitions around as well Yahoo Fantasy Golf the PGA Tour Fantasy Golf um, the Race to Dubai Golf There's, we, run, we run hundreds of competitions different leagues around that and it's just a big golf betting community so I know that some of you guys have joined it it's mm. just something that I'm sure some of your listeners might, might be interested in well, Steve, uh, just uh, before any this goes out live, uh, I'll take uh, Justin Rose for the Masters, Dustin Johnson for the U.S. Open, Louis Ustazen for the uh, British Open, and Rory McIlroy because somebody uh, in the know told me that they were the ones to go for. This doesn't mean that we can't pick them. <laughs> but just to give a shout out to Steve's Twitter, it's at Bamford Golf, and the is it Paul's Twitter is at Golf Betting. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. And it's uh, golfbettingsystem.co.uk as well, just in case uh, anybody has missed it. Um, Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure for me, and I'm sure I speak for the two lads as well, to say that uh, 
we're absolutely honoured to have you on and it's been a cracking uh, conversation very informative and I have no doubt that the listeners will have taken an awful lot from it uh, by the amount of notes that are on uh, Bobby's page here uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of information to download I'm an, I'm an admirer of your podcast. I, I know I, um, I, I listen to it regularly, and I, I, you know it's good to see that the numbers are getting bigger and bigger. And um, I hope you you get continued success with it. If you guys want um, some information or some views from me prior to any of the majors coming up this year, just you know don't hesitate. I'll, I'm more than happy to come on here. Brilliant. Well, I, I found this tremendously useful, so we'll definitely take you up on that because I think it's a lot better listening to an expert on betting rather than the three of us. I think. <laughs> Yeah, three so, professional spoofers. Yes, exactly. So, so listen, thanks again. Thanks a million, Steve. Well, I have to say, I thought that that interview with Steve Bamford was absolutely amazing. He's so interesting, and I could have talked to him for hours. Uh, Barry, I think you're probably in agreement with me on that one. Yeah, it kind of happened. The plan was 20 minutes, and it ended up just being the, the hour. So, um, that's... I can't wait to have him back. I love that he wants to come back on the show. I think it'd be great. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is he he actually mentioned it probably in the extended version that we're going to publish that he just loves talking about golf. I think that's the same with all three of us. I thought he was brilliant, I must say. Yeah, yeah, it's all about having to keep it under the air. <laughs> but anyway, look, if anyone wants to download the extended interview, we're going to upload it separately. You know, Steve talks about the race to Dubai, the FedEx Cup, and the under the radar breakout players for the year, and of course, Tiger Woods. Tiger's yeah. back this year, so... Um, Tune into the extra episode for our, for the thoughts on that. It was really interesting getting Steve's view on Tiger. Now I think that's worth downloading. For people Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I suppose he did the preview. Let's have a look next week. Proper tournaments really start again. Uh, the Hawaii Swing is currently taking place. Patrick Reed last week won. Barry, mm-hmm. any thoughts on on this one? It's the Sony Open. Sony Open in Wailai Country Club, Honolulu. So they just island hopped from one to the other. The life of a professional on the PGA Tour is terrible. Uh, Jimmy Walker defends, and he'll definitely want to get over his choke from uh, this week where he really let the tournament slip. So key key things this week are accuracy green and greens and regulation, and um, be a good player in the wind because it usually gets breezy in Hawaii. But we're really more interested in the European Tour because this event is a belter to kick off the season. Well, not properly. When la- last week Andy Sullivan won the South African Open after Charles Schwartzel kind of handed it to him on a plate. But I think you're right, though. This is this is probably feels like the start of the European Tour proper yeah. for 2015, yeah. and it's a smashing field, Zalberry. Oh, it really is. I mean, the the cream of the crop, you know, led up by Rory McIlroy, Rose, Stenson, Keimer, Fowler, Donaldson, Schwartzel's back for another go, Dubuisson. It's a pretty deep field for an for a January event. And uh, one of the players that um, Steve mentioned in our extended version is playing this week that they have tipped up. We won't tell you who it is. People have to download and listen to him, but they fancy him at 66 to 1 this week for the Abu Dhabi. So unfortunately, listeners, we're going to tease you and you have to listen to the extended uh, edition if you want to get, get that tip. I think he's he was sixty six to one for the season long thing. He's actually a little bit shorter this week. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay right. More teasers. There was another yeah, season long bet as well in there from okay, Steve. Thirty three so. to one anyway, is he? Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's a good shade. It's a pretty solid golfer. Hey, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, and it's so, golf is actually on it. You know, in a really good course and on during the day and not at like one a.m. Hawaii time for us. So. Well, I think the great thing is golf has started properly. We're now back mm. after fifty episodes. We're Most now important. back to the new season. 
you know, we're going to be here every week. So, you know, I think Rory said he wouldn't come back until our podcast was on. I think he's pretty much stipulated that. I, I think he's actually in the agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose that just leaves me again, just to finally thank Steve Bamford. The website's golfbettingsystem.co.uk. We're a good talk spoiled. You can get us on at Twitter at podcast GTS. We love to hear from you. I want to say thank you to Barry. Thank you to Bob. Thank you to Steve. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye, man. Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.